welcome back to the scientifics uh, we're here with our second podcast with uh michael deliligan say hi michael hello there you go hello, hello. <laughs> it's great to have you back um, thanks so, yeah it's it's a real pleasure as always <laughs> now um today we're going to talk about uh, well actually we are going to talk again about um alcohol and drug abuse in uh art uh, and music and uh the suicides um that may lead up to uh well that may be the result of alcohol and drug abuse uh in artists as we um had a recent um suicide from uh, chester bennington and chris cornell now i say record this again because um we attempted to do so last week i think and yeah. unfortunately uh, your audio didn't record, so it it didn't. When we we lost our best podcast to date, you know, our best one of the two we've yeah. done. Yeah, indeed, it was an awesome podcast, <laughs> and we were so sad. It was great. When we learned that, we I, I I honestly admit I should have I should have checked the audio, and uh, yeah, but now the audio is checked and your voice is recording, so we should be fine. <laughs> Yes. So, take two. <laughs> it takes two, indeed. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say take number two, but yes, it oh, also takes two. <laughs> okay. okay, take number two, yeah, as, as well, as well, both. But we have to learn from our mistakes, right? So, we as do. these we do. first podcasts, we'll um, we'll get better eventually. Eventually, there's time. <laughs> there's room for mistakes. But anyway, um, so back to topic. Um, First of all, I just want to know how you personally felt um, learning the news of the of Chester Bennington's um, suicide. Uh, I was in shock. I, I didn't. I thought it was like a hoax, and I thought it wasn't real. Uh, but it seemed to be reported too frequently, I guess, for it to be to be fake. And actually, I heard yeah. about it first from my friends on like a group chat on Facebook. Uh, and and they weren't even sure. And I looked it up on uh, Twitter, and what I saw was Mike Shinoda's uh, tweet, and that's when I knew uh, something real had happened. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I was yeah. So I guess shock was the best way to describe it. So obviously, our last podcast was about music festivals, and we said about how we went to rock work there. Um, mm -hmm. And of course, we both saw uh, Lincoln Park and Chester there. Um, so yeah, it's just you know. I've never had a situation like this where I guess I've seen, uh, I've been lucky enough, I guess, where I haven't had a situation where I've just seen someone or even a band or whatever, and then hear about someone's death in that way. Yeah. Just a, f a few days later. Yeah. Yeah. Only, uh, only a, yeah, a couple of weeks or something. So, yeah. I mean, even, um, talking to people from back home in Canada and talking even to my sister, I found out that they had tickets to see that, to see Lincoln park in August. And, mm. you know, um, Needless to say, it's touched so many people's lives. Uh, yeah, of course. And it's just a testament to how many lives they've touched through their music, through you know, through their fans, through their families. Uh, it's incredible. I mean, this is music I listened to growing up, you know, and I've been such a fan for so long, and you know, I've been I've seen them so many times over the years, and followed mm -hmm. them through their so many of their iterations. So, yeah, it was uh, it was shocking. Shocking and very sad, of course. I think that's the way I describe it. How about yourself? 
yeah well, well it's it's the same to be honest um i was shocked as well uh, i couldn't really believe it at first because it's like it's it seems impossible when you you kind of love the the band and you know you're you respect that much the singer and you're like kind yeah. of one part doesn't want it to be true somehow yeah um but i i must say that um due to even recent events like chris cornell and, and and so on it's actually like um it it seemed it seemed like like it was kind of um i i did not know at all that he had um really dark thoughts I, I i tend not to follow that much um the groups i i'm interested in like in their personal lives and so on um but he wrote a lot about um suicidal songs as you said uh yeah two weeks ago and i knew he had alcohol and drugs if i'm not mistaken uh, problems yeah i think so yeah so in that kind of sense i know like it must be must have been a torturous life uh he let somehow and so yeah, i'm not a, gonna say i'm not surprised because i was surprised of course hmm. um but it seems it it seems like it was a path that he like he he thought about a lot right? yeah like a line that he walked on yeah indeed yeah and so i, I was really sad of course uh surprised and shocked as, as you would but a little bit yeah. after thought, I thought I, I it it seemed like okay, it's uh, it's indeed a line, as you said, a line he walked. Um, yeah. But the thing is that, um, well, it was primarily also um, traumatizing events he had, and which I did not know of um, beforehand. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, as as a child, um, where he's molested and and so on um it it's really shocking to, to learn those details and yeah i think um i it did not really transpire any songs i mean i know there were songs that were dark and so on but that part didn't really come through no not yeah i don't think so no it, it's like it's if, if i would compare it to tool um for those who know the, the band tool um Maynard, so the, the lead singer of the band, um, also had had um, a difficult childhood, um, also was uh, molested as a child. But you can discern it, if you know about it, though, um, in a few of his songs where he references it, if you will, which I did not have the impression Chester Bennington did. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, the thing is, in, in terms of... Chester's music and his messages. There was, of course, there was a lot about struggle. There was a lot mm -hmm. about, you know, being in dark places, dark thoughts. Uh, so, I mean, that came through. And you know, a lot of people look, they look at, you know, they look at the just the title, the title list for One More Light, their most recent album that yeah. came out only uh, in May. And people say, oh, you know, Chester was telling us all along. But it's it's hard to say because you know, suicide and and this pain is something that has characterized the band's music for so long, you know, that yeah. and almost when they drifted from that with some of their more, uh, you know, alternative yeah, pop upbeat. techno heavy yeah. music, you know, people kind of lost, uh, felt like they lost, you know, they lost their familiarity with, you know, mm -hmm. they lost their kind of what, what they thought the band was and what they felt the band was. Of course, you know, the band 
obviously <laughs> decides what and how the music will be, but you know, of fans course. felt a bit disconnected, right? <laughs> so it just yeah. tells you how much you know this narrative was so central to the band's identity, I guess. Yeah, and, and I agree in the sense that, like, if you're an artist, you can write about everything, right? I mean, what what inspires you? So you can write about suicide without having suicidal thoughts or the need to commit suicide, because you can write about. I don't know, riding a unicorn in La La Land, but it doesn't mean you actually plan to do so, right? Yeah. So it's it's hard to know where the artistic artistic liberties are and yeah. the real things you're feeling. Uh, I you guess it. I guess. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I guess it's tricky because we do know that um, so many artists deal with uh, addiction and deal with mm -hmm. uh, mental, maybe mental illness or, or you know traumatic experiences or, or things like that so while obviously you could be separate from your material i think you know especially for, a, for someone like chester i guess a lot of that did come from a, a very a very real that place mm. yeah yeah indeed indeed and that's um that was an interesting question um we asked ourselves um a week ago is like would it help artists or people who have these struggles um, does it help to sing or to like express them artistically mm. or does it does it keep it alive like does it because having to sing the song that you wanted to create to, to take out the frustrations or the pain you have and having to sing it all over again every uh, day month or, or so on does it like keep keep the pain in check or not mm. So because you're actually asking if, if you have like a real popular song um, where you tell something like you try to sing about something really traumatizing uh -huh. and it is a big hit and you feel like you were done expressing that feeling yeah. you want to put behind you but then you have to sing it in almost every concert you you do yeah like does it <laughs> does, does it come back haunting you in kind of sense yeah, it's a it's a tricky one, right? Because obviously, people, you know, writing is such a release for people, and it's a, you know this mm -hmm. this uh this way of expressing themselves really, uh, you know, I think it's I think a lot of people describe it as like cathartic or therapeutic, and it feels very good. Um, but that that's an interesting question. It's funny because it makes me think of I read recently uh about uh, songs that bands don't want to play or artists like so bands or artists that have songs that they hate that became huge hits okay. that they constantly have to perform actually um also i worked there was uh, radiohead yeah. and apparently radiohead hates playing creep um, oh, really? because apparently it was just a song I, f I can't remember the backstory exactly but apparently it was kind of like the record label wanted a, a song that sounded a certain way yeah, yeah, and they just kind of obliged and they they you know that that's not the type of music they want to perform or kind of like the, you know the music they want to be associated with so apparently they hate playing creep <laughs> although I, I i noticed they did play it on this tour at some points not very often i think they played it once or twice but mm. so i mean that's a very good question i guess i guess though if it was something that was that difficult i don't know if it would make it onto the album so to speak you know what i mean i don't know if that's something they would just keep privately to themselves if they wrote a song like that or it's not something that they'd want the world to hear or you know would that that realization that understanding that you know this is something they might have to perform like you said every yeah. so often but it's a good point that you you said um, like you, you talked about the pressure of uh, the company record on Radiohead, but yeah. maybe they had the same in the sense that okay you wrote this song and then somebody else says okay but you have to put that on the album, 
or maybe you don't have any you don't have any other songs to um to give at the moment you're like okay i have to deliver a song for this yeah. or so maybe you're kind of trapped to to still use the song even though you're not sure you want to perform that one yeah all over again. No, that's true yeah that, i mean yeah we don't know what goes on behind the scenes and why you know another good example is um well it's a bit random i guess but uh, a friend of mine just sent me a video of kesha performing uh except she's really so she had she actually had a really um, messed up situation to put it lightly where i think her she had a very controlling manager i think it was um who might have been actually oh i don't want to get this wrong but i don't know if there was any abuse going on but there was definitely kind of a she was kind of locked in a situation that was very difficult for her um and she, I think they just got released now from, I don't know if it was from the record or from that manager. And so now she's doing, I guess, she has more maybe creative liberty over her own music. And I just heard her recently and uh, the song was incredible. And it was a live performance too. And she sounded amazing. Oh. It really reminded me of like Lady Gaga when she first came out to Lady Gaga and the stuff that she's doing now. <laughs> it's that sort of same transition where it's just very vocal heavy, very uh, talent heavy songs rather than, you know, pop auto to yeah, stuff yeah. you know and it's just such a big difference so i mean i guess that that record that industry pressure is very real um yeah so it, it, you we do wonder i guess how how it influences what artists are putting out there yeah indeed and it seems uh well it, it kind of not that it kills creativity but it kind of directs you from the creative aspect that you want to put out there as you, you told uh, you were talking about radiohead and the album they they did with creep on and so on and it actually um stepped away from the uh, company record and then um after a certain amount of time i don't know the details but um the company record came back at them and say okay um we want you guys back and what radiohead did is they put on a list of things they said they did they didn't want to do and what mm. liberties they want to have and yeah. so the record company just went okay 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 and then they put out uh, the album okay computer in that reference oh interesting i didn't yeah. know that <laughs> so if you go to the radiohead um, albums okay computer is the first one where they had this um liberty of making their own music and that's really interesting i mean that is something i guess when you these pressures you i mean it's hard it's hard to tell but i would imagine that these pressures are less the bigger the bigger you, you become right i mean obviously yeah. uh Lincoln Park certainly had artistic freedom in terms of their sound and the type of music they put out there. So not sure, you know. Yeah, indeed. So at least they had that going for them. And I think it's hard for like people who are not in the industry to, to, to get. Like I, I, I don't see the pressure, of course, because I'm not an artist uh, at that level. Uh, but if you look at do- uh, documentaries like um, the one for 30 Seconds to Mars, uh, or even the Metallica one, some kind of monster. And so you can see that there's this big pressure leading up to building an al- album, uh, having a sound, and, and be successful in kind of sense. So, and this is actually what we can link back to the taking of alcohol and drugs. So, this may be something that we can argue to be uh, a, an instigator of taking drugs. Like, you have to be performant, uh, not only in the concerts you're doing but also remain creative right yeah so it is possible that taking drugs is also um like a, a way to stimulate the creative yeah 
or yeah, we spoke about this. Yeah, so we spoke about this obviously on the first recording of this, mm-hmm. and we were also saying how um, you know if you, we're talking about uh, James Hetfield and his um, alcohol addiction yeah. and how he went through rehab uh, and they, how they captured that in uh, some kind of monster movie. Um, and we were saying how you know if you look at a band like Metallica who started off when they were so young, I think James was like eighteen or something. Yeah. If you know if, if people if people are performing for a very long time and if the whole time they've been performing they've been doing so or you know generating creative music creative ideas and if all this time they've been doing so under the effects of alcohol under the effects of hard drugs then you know there might be be this idea they might have this feeling where they they say i i need this to perform i need this to 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 feel the way i think i should feel to feel you know Mm-hmm. To feel as high as I need to feel, to feel as to be as active, to be as energetic, to be as entertaining, you know. So there might be this this I don't know if misconception is the right word, but it might be this idea that um, you know using these substances are fundamental to their performance, to their persona, to their image, even mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you know, you, you have like bands, or you have people, you know, you have like you even had wrestlers, you know, like Stone Cold Steve Austin, who would like drink, you know, drink. Uh, a number of beers on the screen, you know, that's that that part of his thing, you know, Austin 316, like, you know, shotguns and the beers, you know, it, you know, yeah. I, it's interesting, that relationship, I think, with alcohol has changed over the years, I don't think you'd see that, for instance, on wrestling, you know, on professional wrestling these days, um, but I think, you know, and, and, and I think in the uh, the music industry, I think that still, still might be very real, you know, you still, you know, you still have alcohol cues, you still have those alcohol associations, Drugs are, you know, drugs are in the songs, drugs are in the music videos, drugs are, you know, maybe even on stage sometimes, you know, if you're watching a Snoop Dogg yeah. concert or something. Yeah, I think. But that's the interesting part as well, because um, now you're talking about this. I also um, seem to recall that um, Snow Patrol, the, the band, uh, I think, yeah. are they British? I don't remember. Um, oh, American sure. or British? I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, but he... Um, if I'm not mistaken, it was um, recovering alcoholic. So he basically um, went really low, like really deep into alcohol. I'm sorry. Um, and he sings about, uh, like kind of indirectly, but he sings about his alcohol problems. Hmm. And it's it's really interesting how not only music may be a kind of um, a gateway for getting in to the problems, also out problems. Because... Yeah when I think about when we talked about uh, some kind of monster in the Metallica and so on um, he, James Hetfield uh, and, and, uh, and the other members of Metallica uh, which for once helped uh, creating the lyrics and, and so on um, I actually find it interesting that he takes what he he was when he was under the influence of alcohol and, and he tries to get um, a new perspective of all what happened and he tries to put it, put it in the songs as well so it seems that both James Hatfield and the, the singer of um, Snow Patrol used their artistic abilities to cope with what they did or the situation they were in so I find it interesting to see if it's like um, if it's really linked like alcohol and, and art um, performing in the sense that it may get you easier, it may be a step inside or get you to drink or get you to consume um, any drugs. But it also may help a lot of people getting out of that and reflect on that 
and I, I guess there are a number uh, of bands that did not did not do drugs or alcohol and, and got there anyway. Yeah, no, that's interesting. So. <laughs> yeah, so is that kind of that? So is, it, so is it kind of like from both sides where you might need it to perform, but you also might need it to enjoy it? You think? Um. How, how, what do you mean by enjoying it? Well, I'm saying like you know, like the artist. So the artist might use uh, drugs or alcohol for a certain reason, but then the fans, the fans also like, are, is that the association you're making kind of from both sides? Oh, um, you mean that they expect it to be the? Oh no, just that they are like you know going to a show. You also might drink or you also might do drugs. Oh yeah, I think it's in like it's it's a conventional way of relaxing. Uh, strangely, in the world, well, in most parts of the world. Mm. Where if you go out or you're going to an event, you go to festivals. Basically, yep. you a lot of people expect you to drink, right? Yeah. Um, so I I think it's an association that lives in that industry, um, that may be less present in other industries. Like if you go to work at a bank, um, yeah, you may not be expected yeah. like to open a beer, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> But as you said uh, before, drinking on stage, that would be like, oh yeah, cool and. Uh, Um, and that can be expected mm. um, but I think it's interesting to see the, the artists that are open about the problem they were yeah. having on doing that and trying to use the music to to step back from that as well yeah um, so I think it's 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 a power to to be able to openly discuss it to say okay I had this problem yeah and uh, I think I think I'm not sure, but I think it was a singer of Snow Patrol that actually told about it uh, on stage. I'm, I'm, they oh, even cool. might have it on DVD, but I'm not sure about that. Um, where he actually said that he was in a real deep spot. Um, he he was uh, alcoholic, and um, music and his friends actually got him through um, of distancing himself from from alcohol. Yeah. It's funny, right? Because it's yeah. it's uh, it's almost like a double-edged sword, right? Yeah. Because sometimes you might you might be, you know, maybe you're you're using music, you're using music to get off the drug, but also maybe music, you know, you feel like drugs help you make your music, right? Yeah. So it's a it's a weird parallel, or you know, you hear about, um, oh, her name escapes me right now, but you hear about artists whose best work is, you know, was when they were depressed. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. that like their best songs and their best work. You know what I mean? It's um, some somebody. You know, somebody. There were, I remember there was a lot of mean jokes at one point about Adele. They were saying, "Well, if Adele's happy, her music would be terrible." <laughs> I think somebody. I read something awful, which said something like Adele was pregnant at the time, and they said, "If, mm. if, if you know, God imagine if 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 she was saying what happened to that child." They said that she would write the best record ever, which is terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible. You know, but like, there's these artists who are characterized by their loss and by their pain, yeah. and and the music that comes out of it, right? And uh, I think Chester was, very, you know, was probably uh, one yeah. of the biggest names that you could think of who who you'd say, you know, worked that way, maybe. Yeah, but I think that may be the interesting part in the sense that okay, you can have artists that are um, suffering and write about their suffering. Um, 
But what I would like to see, in a sense, is not continuing that suffering for a whole their career, right? Uh, like not writing about one traumatic event all the time, but actually see an evolution. Like you would see the, the singer struggle with the events, but then actually, like because he's working on it, maybe through his music or actually get better, and then even change musical style if he wishes, but like trying to develop himself into a new transition, that would be interesting in my, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, I guess it's a, it's a oh. funny one, right? Because I guess it depends when they're writing their music. Yeah. Are they writing during that transition? Are they writing pre? Are they writing post? And, you know, it's it's interesting too because obviously, you know, albums that a band puts out are snapshots of where they are in that time of course, yeah. right and it's snapshots of where the, that you know the art the writer of, of that song is and um yeah i mean you, you could just see bands grow mm-hmm. you know through looking at their music and how the music changes from album to album you know bands have been out there and put out like 10 10 plus albums you know over the years uh it's really yeah. interesting i think yeah especially the question that we have then is like for example Linkin Park changed a lot in their style and, and so on we went to more pop and so on um but it's interesting that, to see them that you're expected if you if you start off as a depressed um dark uh thematic uh, band yeah that people will expect you to keep doing such content mm-hmm. it's like i don't know if if i have trouble finding a really dark band at the moment but um slayer Slayer, for example, like he, if, he, <laughs> if he would start singing about like all this positive stuff and how he loves everyone, people might be upset because they associate that with like <laughs> negative uh, feelings, which is kind of strange in a kind of sense that you expect somebody to stay in that mindset. That's true. Yeah, it is weird. Yeah. yeah. And if they lost that, you know, you feel like, oh, that's. It's not the same band. You know? Yeah, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so easy to forget about the people behind the music, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. So one thing we were looking at last week is we were looking at um, other people who have passed away. Um, mm-hmm. So either, well, it's, it's hard to untie, uh, d- to uh, disentangle, but whether it was suicide or, you know, drug, alcohol abuse. Um, And we just realized how prolific the list is, right? So uh, Chester was obviously at at the end of July. Uh, The date escapes me. I should probably really know. Um, And then the 18th of May was Chris Cornell. Mm. Um, Of course, um, something that maybe our listeners don't know is that uh, Chris and Chester were very close, apparently. Uh, and unfortunately, Chester committed suicide on what would have been Chris's birthday. Um, so, I mean, media outlets reported that, uh, and bandmates reported that Chester did take Ch- uh, Chris's suicide quite hard. Uh, I know that Chester had written an open letter to Chris, you know, for Chris after the suicide, performed at his funeral, mm-hmm. uh, performed, we talked about his Jimmy Kimmel performance where he dedicated the song One More Light to him. It was very, very passionate. Uh, rendition of the song which you can see on YouTube um, uh, so those obviously were kind of paired yeah yeah so very much like paired suicides in a way um, and actually recently um, uh, 
Chris Cornell's daughter actually performed the song Hallelujah for both Chris Cornell and Chester recently. Oh, really? I just really? saw it. I think she, and she's quite young. I think she's she's still in her teens. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, that was very touching for Vicky Cornell, who's Chris's widow and uh, Chester's widow. Um, yeah, it must be. So in 2000, yeah, in 2015, we had Scott Wayland, the singer of Stone Temple Pilots. He's found dead in his tour bus uh, after a heavy drug overdose. He was only 48. Um, the lead singer of Alice in Chains, Lane Staley. Uh, I hope I pronounced that right. He, he died of a drug overdose as well. Um, he actually, this actually sounds, this is a bit graphic, but apparently he had actually found this partially decomposed body because it oh. seems like he was in isolation for quite some time. Um, of course, 1994, you have Kurt Cobain killing himself, yeah, which is maybe arguably the uh, the most prolific suicide in the history of you know the music industry. Um, and he he you know he was he was known for his uh, his struggles with heroin addiction, depression, yeah. and uh, just just a lot of uh, personal conflict regarding his success and his rise to stardom. Um, we could, we could go on the last few decades, and we have quite a few notable names. So we have Paul Gray of Slipknot, um, uh, Mike Starr, Allison Chains, uh, Amy Winehouse, of course, 2011. Um, Mikey Walsh from Weezer, Whitney Houston, Prince, um, D.D. Ramone from the Ramones, John N. Twistel from The Who, uh, Gidget Gein from Ireland Manson, uh, of course, Michael Jackson as well, mm-hmm. uh, Brent Midland, Grateful Dead from the 90s, then uh, Steve Clark from Def Leppard, Bradley Noel from Sublime, Jonathan Melvoin from the Smashing Pumpkins. Okay. And if you go back to the 80s, you've got Bon Scott from ACDC, John Bonham from Led Zeppelin, uh, mm-hmm. James Honeyman Scott from The Pretenders, as well as Pete Farndon from The Pretenders. They only died a few months apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, a year apart. Uh, a little over a year apart. Then you had Hillel, Hillel Slovak from Red Hot Chili Peppers to mm-hmm. in the late 80s. And then finally, if you go back as far as the 70s, you have uh, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, mm-hmm. Jim Morrison, Tommy Bolin, Keith Moon, Sid Vicious. So these are obviously huge names. Yeah. Um, I mean, and and then what, what's interesting too is you have people who died from uh, from illnesses or conditions that uh, that are associated with with drug or alcohol abuse. So you had uh, Jeff Hanneman from Slayer, cirrhosis due to alcoholism. Judy Garland, very famous. Um, that one looked like an overdose. Then we had Brian Jones from Rolling Stones, drowning due to alcohol and drug intoxication. Billy Holiday, cirrhosis mm-hmm. of the liver due to alcohol. Hank Williams Sr., heart failure. And then we have mm-hmm. some notable suicides. We also have Michael Hutchins from NXS and Bob Welch from Fleetwood Mac. Um, so obviously, a list of highly prolific names from very, very influential and very big bands. So, you know, I mean, and the, I guess these are the more well-known people. Of course, we don't know what you know the struggles of people who were in perhaps you know up and coming bands or you know lesser known yeah uh, groups yeah that's that's the thing i think it would be interesting to see if there's a big difference between um like starting bands and high performing bands yeah see if there's like an increase of alcohol or drug intake or mm. or not i think it's the type of thing where you you you, you expect people to be at the top to feel so secure and to feel confident, but whereas mm-hmm. they're probably under the most pressure, they're under the most, yeah. uh, and, you know, they, they suffer from the anxieties and the, 
the expectations, you know, and, and just the weight of their success, the weight of their fame, the weight of their, you know, the weight of the people, all the people that they perform for, perform to, you know. Mm-hmm. And one thing I, I spoke about last week was the fact that um, it's funny because, you know, you think of all these classic old bands like, you know, Led Zeppelin, uh, The Who, uh, uh, you know, um, Red Hot Chili Peppers. You think of all these big bands. And you, I think what's something that maybe lost on me uh, just because maybe I don't follow these bands as intimately as I could or should, is that you, you realize that even if you were to see these bands today, they maybe they weren't, you know, they they weren't. It's not the group members, you know, it's not the original group members. It's not maybe the people who made the music. It's not the people who wrote mm-hmm. the music. So it's interesting how so many of these very large groups have been marred by by loss. Yeah. Um, and we were also mentioning how um, a lot of these drugs are opiates. So you have a lot of heroin on the mm-hmm. list. You have a lot of painkillers, um, which is really interesting. Uh, we were also talking about the fact that um, there was like certain instances which are a bit unique, like Michael Jackson, who um, was on painkillers for for so long because of uh, an injury sustained. While mm-hmm. uh, I think I was recording a Pepsi commercial, he suffered serious, serious burns, and I think was was uh, eventually hooked on painkillers because of that. Um, so we just have so much, you know, you have, on the list, you have so much heroin, you have so much morphine, fentanyl, uh, methadone. So it's interesting, you know, we were talking about the fact too about uppers versus downers, you know, mm-hmm. so a lot of alcohol abuse, whereas the deaths due to uppers like cocaine, speedball are actually, cocaine is pretty prevalent, but it's still highly outweighed by the downers, by all, all the painkillers, by all the, you know, just mm. the things, the, the, the coping drugs. Yeah. Maybe as I'd put it, <laughs> so it's it's interesting. It's it's you know it says a lot maybe about the demons and the struggles that these artists are facing. You know, so I guess if we look at, you know, pressure to perform, which maybe might be the uppers versus, you know, dealing just facing your demons and you know maybe getting a good night's sleep and and just finding peace, and the downers. It seems like it's more the latter. Yeah, indeed. But um, I I would say that the downers could be associated with performance as well. In the mm-hmm. sense that if you have pain, and you need to like, um, you need to keep it down in order to perform. See what I mean? Yeah, no, no, I understand. Yeah, so, just to bring to to get maybe to get you know have that sense that that sense of calm. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, you know, right. just yeah, to, to get out there and to yeah. to perform. It's uh, it's interesting. It's it's very harrowing. Um, one thing we spoke about a lot last week is well. You, do we think the music industry is gonna maybe come together? Will the artists come together and, and kind of lo- look after you know take care of each other maybe a bit better? Try to look after each other more. Yeah, um, analyze the problem. Yeah, and I think it's an interesting one. I, I mean, I'd love to say yes, and I'd love to. I'd like to think you know, obviously you know, people like Chris Cornell and Chester. You know, there's these close friendships in the industry, mm-hmm. of course. Um, but you know, you, you know, when I was going through that list of suicides, we have everything back to the you know the 70s right so i mean yeah. it's not a recent problem uh there's no lack of superstardom in the names that i mentioned right these are huge names i mean if you just look at the 70s you had huge huge names like jimmy hendrix Janis joplin i mean somebody else I'm missing from this list which uh, is my fault is elvis presley of course oh, oh it's true. also drugs yeah. right so i mean there's no lack of stardom there's no lack of uh star power on this list so I, it's not like this hasn't come to light of course you know uh, we have kurt cobain in the 90s right so yeah. i i don't know 
it's you know it's all that they didn't know was a problem before right so i don't know how much is going to change going forward yeah and i would even go further further in the sense that um well we're t only talking about the music aspect of the artistic industry because if we look at actors there have been a lot of um big actors as well who struggled with yeah. uh, depression um drug abuse and, and of course and so on so. robin robin williams recently yeah uh, of, of note for instance mm -hmm. yeah so i think it's it's it it must be uh at least questioned or analyzed um in the artistic industry um be it music or, or acting or and so on um but it's 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 also hard to to imagine the um, the amount of um, people that actually struggle with uh, these problems because we know about these problems because of suicides or, or highly drug abuse from certain stars uh, like yeah. or, or people that are really really into the spotlights yeah. but are they of representative we're... of the whole community so that's that's kind of the questions we have to ask um because it, it, it clearly seems to be a problem because of the, the high amount of suicides that we see in here but is it representative of like more than usual in that you would expect in a, in a population? Uh, I, I, I would say yes. Mm -hmm. I would think it's just a population who's very, uh, obviously they probably have a ton of exposure to, to drugs and alcohol. Uh, and I think, you know, in terms of the number of users, I think, I think there's more, uh, I, I would say in the, in that, in that, in that group, there's probably more users than, and in the general population, you know, if you just mm -hmm. look at like you know, the proportion of, of people who are users versus non-users, yeah. I think it's you know we were talking about too how how much of of that is part of the industry, you know, yeah. how much of that is I don't I don't know if intrinsic is the right word, but how much of it is just so you know so entrenched, so so ex even expected almost, you know, yeah, especially because um, in a certain point, like in a certain point in time, um, rock and roll attitude was drink a lot like it was a real yeah. rock and roll to be a rebel drink a lot yeah. have sex and, and use drugs and so on yeah so it may be indeed um a problem in that kind of sense really associated throughout the years but then my next question is do you think it's predominantly in the rock and roll or metal era um or feel if you will um do you think you have the same problem with like electronic music djs or do you think it's less i i think i mean i don't want to i don't want to go off stereotypes here but i i think i think it's similar it's just different drugs right i mean mm -hmm. it's hard to right because maybe you also want to make an you know this distinction between art you know the artists and their fans you know because mm -hmm. you have some you have some like even electronic artists who are very. Uh, I think, I can't. I can't remember who right now, but there's someone who comes to mind who's very straight edge and very adamant about, you know, no drug use or no alcohol. Um, but, you know, when a lot of people think about electronic or trance music, you do think about drug use and you do think about, you know, ecstasy yeah, and so on. Yeah, exactly. So, that's ah, tough. It's it's tough. You know, it's it's funny to think like how how did they get so. Yeah. How, how did these things become so combined and mm -hmm. you know why yeah and i think you're actually uh, you have a good point in the sense that um like i associate it may be a big stereotype but 
I associate uh, like dance music crowd and so on with more upper drugs like oh party party and metal um, fan base more as seeing the world really darkly, right? So yeah, I think, no, I think that's it's, true. Yeah, I think it's it's maybe I'm it may be a big stereotype. Right? I'm not saying that <laughs> all metal bands see life in dark, but um, it seems to me that. Uh, I would have more chance of seeing ecstasy in dance porn or upping drugs um, at a dance party festival um, rather than going to a metal festival or so on. Or I think it's more downing drugs, if you will. It's weird though, right? Because it's like this culture doesn't just extend to the music that people listen to. It's also the... The drugs they take while they listen to the music, yeah. you know, it's, it's 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 interesting. It's it's pretty bad, but yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad, and it's kind of amazing because if you think about it, like basically you go to a festival to have fun, right? You're not going to to a festival to have a big a crowd depression, of course. Right. But just like some people think, you know, well, I have fun when I drink. I'm sure there's also people who think, well, I have fun. When I have the most fun when I'm on drugs. Mm. So, yeah, true. yeah. Yeah. But it's also kind of like the, uh, you also kind of have the chicken or the egg problem, right? <laughs> are people, are people who use drugs more interested in this music or are people in this music then, be, you know, become, you know, become more interested in these drugs. Yeah. So, so there's that, there's that element of it as well. And of course there's, of course there's tons of people who listen to either metal or, or electronic music and, and don't use anything, right? Who aren't substance yeah. users. So I'm, I'm a I big mean, part of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so you know, it's, it's obviously not just the music. No, of course. No, that's a, that's a thing. Um, but do you think that you can have, like, does drugs influence the way you perceive music in in a, in a pure perceptive sense? yeah it's interesting i mean like there's even some bands i think of like pink floyd where i i i have this idea you know i have this thought of like i feel there's this, this idea that you know you you can appreciate it you can enjoy it more if you're if you were high on on marijuana or something you know on pot <laughs> so it's interesting you know i do think there's even some bands that you know become associated with either you know with certain drugs or the drugs that you know their artists struggle with yeah, yeah. So it's it's interesting. But the thing I, I was wondering as well is, like, music could give you a chemical reaction by itself, right? Oh, that's true. Yep. So it's interesting to see, like, it, it would be interesting to study what kind of music could give, what kind of chemical reaction depending on your style preference or whatever, mm. and to see how uh, a chemical substance. Uh, small drugs or so would enhance it or just yeah. create another experience or that that would be interesting that's true I mean I, I guess if you were enjoying the music I expected it to be you know a dopamine reaction right I guess that's what yeah. we both expect but it would, what's really interesting what you said is how does the uh, how would the drug alter it mm-hmm. yeah indeed would it enhance it is it a completely different is it a completely different uh, reaction that, you know, this. You know, yeah. We don't know. I don't know if you know. Actually, that'd be a very good question. I'm not sure. Yeah. How, how, 
that's been looking looked into and yeah, to what we extent should, we should look it up for the next podcast <laughs> definitely well um i'm gonna give a plug for one of my friends i have a, a, a an old colleague of mine named Susie gage actually runs a really excellent uh podcast series called say why to drugs mm-hmm. uh it's on itunes and available probably wherever you can find your where you like to get your podcast from uh where every week uh she goes through a different drug and uh kind of challenges myths and misconceptions about them and then tries to give you know the facts around them um and she's done this with a lot of drugs <laughs> so <laughs> i think i think she also recently did one with, with sugar with uh, which of course is oh, a huge topic right now the real um, soul drugs that's it yeah the, the real drugs <laughs> um <laughs> the ones everyone that everyone is taking <laughs> exactly yeah um so if, if you're interested to learn more about uh what's real and what's not about these drugs, do 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 check that podcast out. It's awesome. a great, great show. Yeah, well maybe if, if it's possible, we can provide a link in the in the description. Yep. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Oh, but now with that we're like um, about 45 minutes into the podcast, I'm just going to have to ask you, Michael, <laughs> what did you play recently? <laughs> oh, Everyone's favorite segment. All right. Uh, been playing some Overwatch. I'm on my... Uh, Surprising. On my qu- yeah. <laughs> on my quest for gold. So, uh, as my friend says, make the Lily gold again. That's what, that's what this <laughs> season's about. I'm um, quite close. I'm in the mid-1900s. So, I'm almost there. Almost nice. there. Uh, I'm very excited about the uh, Olympic event. That's happening this week uh i missed the first one and those are i think the skins that i really wanted the most Mm. um and i might even drop some money on on it to get some loot boxes Mm. and they've also made great loot boxes changes now where duplicates are far less common i don't know if i've even gotten one yet but bear in mind i've only prestiged once so i'm uh, level 40 something but only having prestige one so i obviously still have a ton to unlock which makes the no duplicates that much more enjoyable so i've been playing a bit of that um i actually <laughs> sunk a ton of hours into just cause three today for the first <laughs> time so just cause three one of the free titles uh this month for playstation plus members mm. um really uh really fun gameplay there's there you know if, if you read around online people have a lot of grievances with things that um I think that mostly technical things that the developers haven't really patched yet. Um, but the gameplay is really fun. It's kind of like a no-holds-barred uh, Grand Theft Auto. It's quite hard to die. Um, okay. I still did, but it is hard to <laughs> die. Um, but it's just very very fast, but in a very fun and... Uh, yeah, a very fun way. Okay. Fun and fulfilling. And it just it feels good. Um they they use the uh, the vibrations on the controller to good effect. Um, it's really you know you have access to land, air, uh, and sea vehicles. Um, it's uh, it, it really interesting take on the open world and just all the mm-hmm. cool gadgets you have from the start and ways you can get around. Um, it almost feels really dull when you get into a car to make your way around the map. Just put it, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, and finally. Um, as some of our gamer listeners might know, Path of Exile just released a new patch. Um, so they're now at 3.0, where they've released new acts and a ton of new content. I played Path of Exile years ago, sometime probably around when it released. Uh, didn't really touch it since, and now I'm trying to come to grips with it again after years. Um, 
So while, you know, I did get the Necromancer pack for Diablo 3, I'm a little over it now. So <laughs> maybe check out what Path of Exile has to offer. So what have you been playing, Lo? Oh, well, um, not much, to be honest. Um, but as you know, um, I recently did a crazy purchase. So I bought the PlayStation VR headset. Woo! Woo! Yeah, which <laughs> is actually, um, re- I'm really enjoying it. Um, to be honest, I don't have much games um, on the PSVR headset, but it, it doesn't really matter. Like, um, they have a VR. Uh, I don't know what it's called. I think it's PlayStation VR Room or something. Like that. Oh, cool! Yeah. Um, so it's our free games that you can play uh, with uh, multiple uh, players. So one one can put on the headset and other players can like play it along with the TV and the controllers. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it's really... Uh, I've been having fun with that. And um, Farpoint as well, which is kind of a, an uh, alien survival shooter, if, if you will. Um, Very cool. Yeah, so it's uh, it's really interesting to, to be uh, like emerge in this 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 world and game world and you kind of really lose yourself uh in it which is really fun um and i also did and this is actually one of the reasons <laughs> i bought uh the headset is to fly <laughs> in a x-wing <laughs> oh uh, amazing a star wars mission yeah the battlefront one right yeah indeed that's amazing how and, and what was that like did that live up to all your expectations it did um oh. <laughs> it is it is exceptionally well done uh to be honest it really yeah oh, oh, although i would say one thing is that your character talks and that breaks it a little bit for me it's like oh interesting yeah okay. it, it says like he says things i would never say and i was like okay <laughs> that that kind of breaks it for me personally uh, interesting that's a shame a bit but yeah but like um, for the rest, it was really, really nice. The controls, the view, the, the interaction. Um, like you're just flying around in all you see this Imperial ship coming up to you and like, wow, you're just, see a destroyer coming like, wow, okay, this is, this is intense. Um, yeah, so it was really, really fun. Although I must say that at a certain point, uh, I felt a little bit sick. Yeah? yeah. Oh, so that you fi- it finally got to you. It was the flying in the X wing. Yeah, indeed. Um, That's what did it. Yeah, I I went a little bit too. Uh, I I took a turn really drastically, and that kind <laughs> of felt like my stomach didn't quite feel right at that moment. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, which is interesting because I don't have such things when I go on. Uh, I did I did tours in, in little planes where they go like really mm. hectically, and I don't have that because somehow the sense of gravity, like the the G force. Yeah. Um, helps me um, like stay in check but it seems like because you're moving and you don't have this sense of gravity which you probably wouldn't have in space either um, it, it kind of feels strange I was going to say to be fair if you did do that in X-Wing you probably would feel that way right so maybe it is it's, maybe it's just part of the realism yeah. you did take a sharp turn like that <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> Yeah. That's that's really cool. That's uh, it's really funny you said that because I had another two other friends, including one other Belgian, with the oh. same I think the same day or within days also got the VR headset. So I'm feeling very left out. Ooh. I'm just gonna put that out there. 
know, if, uh, if anyone listening to this would like to give me a VR headset, that I, will, I will accept. <laughs> Your donations are welcome. <laughs> yes, yeah. But uh, no, that's 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 very exciting. I'm very much looking for, forward to our next visit, um, or I should say my next visit to you. Yeah, so definitely. I could then monopolize the headset. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And I must say, I have a lot of friends who bought it also recently. Really? So it's it's kind of a hype, I think, maybe, trend. Um, yeah. But it's hype. really fun because hype. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag uh, PSVR. That's um, it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I must admit, there are some games like um, I think it's Sports Bar VR, okay. um, where you can like just go in a, bo- a virtual bar and have beers, like virtual. Oh, beers. I've seen this. That looks um, very good. Yeah, and my friends, like all those who have bought headsets, are like, "Oh, we did this party, and you, you, sh- you should have been there." And it's, it feels like a real social event where people wow, actually. This, I think this is the future, right? Where we have <laughs> VR, where we have VR parties rather oh. than you know. I don't know if you saw the Facebook ad or, or concept ad. I don't know really what it was during a Facebook event where yes. they have these virtual reality Facebook. Um, but I must admit, it kind of scares me. <laughs> um, it does because you just imagine that if, if this is something that Facebook might might do, then you can imagine how many people might, you know, yeah. then try this and just how 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 it could really be a reality yeah and i must admit it's it's kind of fun going into a virtual reality and i would love to try the sports bar but i would never want to replace it with a real sports bar or real yeah. interaction kind of sense so but the, but then again there's so many people who find find interactions online so much easier right so it's really interesting yeah uh, it's well. It's easier to put just put in your headset than taking your car and driving for an hour or so. Of course. Um, but it's clearly not the same, in my opinion. Like, um, you really miss some key aspects of social interaction mm. that you no, would have sure. normally. Um, it's but it's maybe a, you maybe you gain some other maybe you gain oh, some other types of interaction or just facilitate interaction between people who are separated by long distances or maybe yeah. maybe you could also imagine the implications for people who are who have mobility impairments right or mm-hmm. mobility limitations it's incre- i mean it's amazing to really think just how far this can go yeah indeed and that's a, a real good uh good thing um the thing is that for now like the interactions i have uh, in a social environment with VR is more the amazement of the technology. Hmm. And I would say that would wear off at a certain point if it yeah. becomes normalized. If you see what I mean? It's like like the first time you go to, a, let's say, a virtual, um, a virtual zoo, let's say. Yes. Um, well, you'd be amazed at, oh, oh, look, I can pick up this animal using my VR remote or so on. I would be amazed by the technology, right? But it, or you can pet um, an animal or whatever. Yeah. But it would not um, be the same, and especially once it wears off. Like if you know you can do it, it's like okay. But now I want to pet an animal, right? Because you're of not course. gonna feel it. You're, you're not gonna have that experience. Like it's cool. Oh, I can I can feed it. Like throw him an apple or whatever. Throw an apple to a horse. Yeah. It's like okay, cool. But then, you know, it's scripted. It's always gonna be the same. Well, will it? Well, I mean, that's that's only you script it differently. <laughs> well, yeah, of course, but simulations 
will you know are only gonna get better right so like you know create more randomness you know if you look at i don't want to get into like uh procedurally generated environments like you know no man's sky and stuff you know so they, obviously there's limitations and there's flaws but these things are only gonna get better right so it is interesting i yeah. think what do you, do you ever imagine a world where the virtual reality becomes the norm rather than being able to see animals i mean the way maybe the way our you know if, we, if our future is more wally <laughs> than <laughs> what we're thinking it will be now maybe. So maybe that's the way to experience zoos in the future right when maybe these animals go extinct when when we, you know their habitats die out and we only have so many zoos with so many animals who knows so it's scary to think about it's scary to think about and especially the sunset um for me i love technology um i'm a big geek as you know um but i also think it's a bubble that will burst at a certain point um that's true and... well i think one of the things that isn't spoken about enough that i mentioned to you is that or i was talking to someone about this is the fact that um I, I know somebody who is from the University of Nottingham, and there the psychology mm -hmm. department has a huge um, VR testing area. Mm -hmm. um, and what they were doing was driving simulations. So, I okay. mean, obviously, maybe it's something that is a bit um, is a bit difficult for some people. You know, the whole fast, you know, moving yeah. your body, not moving, but you know, you, you know, your visual input tells you you're moving, sort of thing. Yeah, that yeah. that dissonance is really difficult for some people. Mm -hmm. But what they were basically saying is that about 50% of people actually were not able to handle it and would become sick, um, would become, would, would, would get a headache or they would just have yeah. to stop. They'd have to stop. Um, so I think that's really, that's a, that's something I think that obviously the VR people aren't going to be pushing. They're not going to be telling you about, but I think that it's actually really um, surprising to learn how many people actually struggle with VR yeah, and who find it a very uncomfortable and offsetting experience. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and, and the, the strange thing is that we, we do not know why. It's still difficult to really pinpoint what it is exactly that goes mm -hmm. wrong. Um, and also a techni uh, on, on a technical point of view, um, you need to have 120 hertz or you have to have like, um, or I mean, might be mistaken, but you have to have a certain amount of hertz, a certain amount of uh, frame rate, a certain amount of uh, details, because that all can contribute to it. Mm. So, for example, if you have the PS4, um, textures textures in the PSVR environment may be a little blurred out or less uh, detailed than on the PS4 Pro, right? So you might mm. have differences, feel less sick on the PS4 Pro, for example. That, that's true yeah that's a that's an interesting part but although i mean generally speaking i think at a certain point um we will um diverge from technology in a sense that um the world is on a shifting point kind of um at the moment with the global warming and so on and if if we continue to want to create a virtual place or haven to escape um, that might lead to some problematic way of thinking so I think there would be a less maybe, I don't know if it's big or smaller but there will be a movement that will distance themselves from the technology um, that we are pushing at the moment definitely that's true I think you've seen that in, like uh in fiction and, and like movies and TV series where there's people who are against, you know, whether it's uh, 
symbiotic robots or you know they're just against yeah. technology they're against yeah. ai uh and yeah i'm sure i'm sure these groups these groups do exist and these groups are you know are will only get bigger as 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 ai and robots and that sort of technology does so that'll be interesting to see too how that emerges yeah and especially because of, i think technology is advancing really fast still advancing fast um, and we don't really notice side effects of it all. Um, we can even argue, like Facebook, for example, um, it's one of the technology that just sprung out of nowhere, like technology or way of, of, of interacting, social uh, media. Mm. And we now see that actually this has had a huge impact on how young people think, see news, and so on. And also, um, you see these associations with uh, depressions and so on. So it's interesting to see how technology can advance, but it's also interesting to see the side effects that that it brings along. And we may um, we may kind of neglect them uh, for a long period of time. I think. Hmm. Um, so I think at a certain point we have to be more careful and be. I, I know more careful is, is is problematic in the sense that it might slow down the way um, the technology advances, but it might may be necessary. And once again, it's just an opinion. I'm not saying it has to be, or I'm not an expert. <laughs> but I think it's a question worth asking. Mm, no, definitely. I, I the thing is, I think like most things, it's it's only once to maybe. You know, it takes something happening for for change sometimes to occur. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if it's gonna, you know, are, we're, we're, you know, I feel like we're gonna go too far before we take a step back. You know, yeah. So I don't think we're. De- I definitely don't think we're any. Well, who knows? I don't think we're there yet. Yeah, we, I was about to say I don't know. think we're anywhere near there, but I mean, you know, yeah, it only takes true. it only takes one thing, right? So. But, but that's one of the points that I like um, about um, a series called Black Mirror. Because yes. it, kind of, it kind of tries to feel what kind of aspects would, would go too far and how it could go too far. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of makes you feel a bit uncomfortable because you you know that some of the technology could go a uh, step in that direction or could yeah. go and breach that um, problematic event. And so that's an interesting way of, um, of presenting the the side effects of technology or the, the pot, potential side effects of technology and how it could affect um, the world. Mm. So no, definitely, yeah, I definitely recommend uh, watching Black Mirror. Although the yeah. first episode may seem off-putting. Yeah, I would I would skip the first episode to be yeah. honest, unless you're unless you enjoy kind of graphic, grotesque. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because that one was the, yeah, that was yeah. It's, after it's my after least that, favorite. I guess. No, I agree, and I, I think that one almost put me off the whole series. But yeah, that's definitely yeah. a series to look into. It's it's um, it's not always easy to watch. Some of, not yeah. I, I, most of the episodes, but not all the episodes are a bit uh, grim, to put it lightly. But yeah, um, really if, interesting. If you feel depressed, uh, just watch another time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe just wait. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's good advice to end to end the podcast on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So, well, maybe next time we can talk about technology. Um, 
well, advances oh, we great. see in, in virtual reality, um, especially in clinical applications, mm. because, um, well, I don't know um, if you um, plan to use um, technology in your uh, research, um, but I have a project that I might talk about for next podcast so Ooh, something to look forward to then Indeed. so for the first time we have an idea of what the, t the topic will be for next week wow look at that so so stay tuned <laughs> so and stay now tuned. you know you know what to be excited about indeed indeed so uh well anyway thanks a lot michael for this uh, excellent uh second recorded podcast <laughs> let's say Thank like you, that Lo. Um, and, uh, same time next week <laughs> yeah same time next week and as always you can find this podcast on well hopefully iTunes by now uh, and if you want more news or uh, articles to read uh, you can go to thescientifics.com um, just pay us a visit or go on Twitter or Facebook that Michael handles so beautifully <laughs> <laughs> indeed he's a social media expert I am clearly not so <laughs> So, hope to see you soon, and uh, we'll come back next week with some uh, technology. <laughs> well, Thanks, guys. See you yeah. next week. Bye. <laughs>